0: Hey, welcome to One Creative Act. This is a heartfelt conversation with purposeful dreamers, innovators, and community heroes who turn simple creative actions into their greatest adventures and biggest contributions to the world. I'm your host, Mary Lynn Jenkins. What effect can One Creative Act have on you, your family, your community, your city, The nation and the globe. What can come out of trusting that you have something to share through your own creativity? These are the questions we'll explore together. Our hope is that you'll walk away from every episode inspired to get into creative action and motivated to try something new, something you haven't tried in years or something you haven't done since you were a little kid. This podcast is an opportunity for you to discover or rediscover your creative spark. I'm so excited to be with you. So get your walking shoes on, get the car packed for a getaway or snuggle up with a cup of coffee and let's enjoy some time together. Karen Tyrone is a sister to me in every sense of the word and one who has a wealth of experience in life and business. She joins me today and I cannot wait for you to hear her beautiful heart in this conversation. Born and raised and now a business owner in her home of Staten Island, New York. Karen is 11 years in as the sole owner of her creation, 5 boroughs power yoga. Karen, above all, is an innovator. After being closed almost 400 days due to COVID mandates, the doors to five boroughs are wide open today. But what's most impressive is how she shifted to keep her business going during the closures through virtual workshops, cooking classes, getting outside together through hiking groups, book clubs, and leadership development workshops. She made it work, and if I had to say anything about Karen, it's that she knows how to make it work. Her perspective is one of not giving up, seeing what needs to be trimmed in order to succeed, and being a model for consistency and practicing what she wants to have happen. Today, we talk about her intentionality, how she's wired, and where it may have come from. She shares the incredible story of the tragic loss of her mom back in 1998 and what forgiveness has meant to her, how yoga and her faith gave her the shift in perspective and ultimately directed her to her purpose to live a life of service. She is an example to me every single day to put my attention on what's necessary and stop worrying about what's not To know her is to love her, and I'm so thankful for her life, her friendship, and I love the direction of our conversation today. Her message of perseverance and forgiveness is what we all need to hear more of. Here's my conversation with my dear, dear friend, Karen. So all the way from Staten Island, I love this. I I see... um, I do get to see you a lot and I'm so thankful for that. I think it's just the Staten Island to Jacksonville, Florida ticket has been a has been a hot ticket in the last couple of years. But it's so fun to get to be with you like this. Any chance I get. Tell me tell me uh, where you are and what your days looked like and let's dive in to some good conversation. What's going on? Right
1: now, well, first of all, I'm so excited to be here, and I was so excited to be part of your podcast and um, your growth and development in your life, and I'm just so happy to still be part of it after so many years together. Um, Yeah, I taught this morning at the studio, which feels so good to be back in studio and people coming back and um, getting off the online stuff and getting their feet on the ground in the studio, and then... um, yeah, then it just came came home to connect with you.
0: So I love it. How many classes, Karen, are are happening now in the studio every day? Wow! Uh, About how many? I'm going to say like um, five to seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that feels seven. like. And you were closed for three hundred and how many days? Three hundred and seventy. Unbelievable! Totally shut down as a really amazing small business, um, closed down for 370 days. And so what would you say? What would you say besides, uh, perseverance, um, has gotten you reopened and, um, and back to five to seven classes a day? What, what's, what's it taken? What, what is the, what's the secret sauce? (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, I can't say that um, the studio schedule changed much. You know, it's, it, it, it just brought to light your question, because during the shutdown of 370 days, I still had four to five classes a day on Zoom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, it's, it's more about, so what was the secret sauce to get people back? Um, consistency. Mm-hmm. And- um a, a quality product right so, and yeah. people and really like the knowledge that there's community there's mm-hmm. community from that came off um that came from like in studio to online during covid to back in studio um the the way that people get access to like stronger together Mm. Like that they, or that they're not alone after being alone for a while. Mm-hmm. I think that's what really like keeping my focus on
0: reminding people of that. Would you say that it's about like what is the percentage? Is it like uh eighty, twenty people just like walk in and they're you know, they're like, Thank God to be back and there's still maybe twenty percent like trepidation or hesitation, or what would what would you say is or, or yeah, what is your experience? Is there any trepidation? Are people just really just so thankful and so excited to get back into group group fitness and group work like that? What would you say? Yeah, I think it's, I think you're, you hit it on. It's about 80,
1: 20%. There are people, um, there are people who join us that can't come to Staten Island. So we have people that used to come to the studio that because of COVID moved to New Jersey or moved somewhere out of state and still want to connect with us, um, so that's a little percentage. And then there's people that got used to rolling out their mat at home and just don't want to come to the studio anymore. Yeah. Um, and then there's a even smaller percentage, I would say, of people who just are like, yeah, fearful, afraid. They might have sick people at home or mm-hmm. taking care of someone that's just like they feel just better off, like being part of the community from the online perspective rather than taking any risks or chances by coming to the studio. And i I've been going back and forth. Should I pull the online classes? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm charging the same for people being online or at home. And until there's like absolutely nobody coming online, I'm just going to keep, keep it as it is for right now. Yeah.
0: It's like a nicety, right. For the, for the smaller, the the growing smaller percentage, I guess, of people who they want to join. They want to be a part of something bigger than just being, you know, in, in their living room by themselves. You know, it seems like the fact that you're continuing to offer that is just kind of a. I know it's a lot on the business owner, and it's an additional thing for you know for the for the instructor, um, but it is a, it's sort of a nicety for the client for sure to just treat them in that way. So you've always been so good at that. I feel like um, we were kind of talking before I hit record that. Well, and I'll just preface all this by saying um, that that we. We've been friends for a long time, and we've just in the past, it was really through COVID, along with Luca Richards, who was um, in a previous episode, we we created a trio, a partnership for 300-hour yoga teacher trainings, and it's been pretty extraordinary, really, to work together in this way and, um, and to develop a, a program that we really, a, a training that really elevates People, it elevates the individual, not just, you know, in if they're have if they have a career in teaching and facilitating yoga. Great. If they just want to elevate and, you know, personally develop their speaking, their listening, their ability to, you know, lead groups, lead workshops, whatever, whatever it is that they want. This is a training that, you know, we're really starting to see the impact, you know, on people's lives. And I know from my experience, there's nobody I'd rather be doing it with than you and Luca. It's just been such a, it's been such a bright space in business and in my own growth, but we use a book and this is where I I wanted to kind of, cause you're, there's no one better to have this conversation with than you, but we use a book um, for some of our, uh, some of our discussion in our training good to great and it is it's an old book by jim collins it was actually published in 2001 but it's been sort of this pillar for conversation to to take people who are really good at their craft you know, people that are coming to our training program, they're already really good. And I mean, they, they've gone really far in life. These are successful people. They're creative people. They're disciplined people. Um. They've, they've opened businesses, studios, you know, they're leading, they're leading groups of people, you know, in their communities, they're, they're successful people. And, and the conversation that we start opening up to them with this book, Good to Great, kind of in the background is, you know, what does it look like to actually acknowledge that you're already good? And what does it take to actually take the next step and to be great? At what you're already good at. And um, I'm just, I just want to, I want to pick your brain because I see you as someone like, even in just how you answered that first question, you know, it took consistency and a great product, you know, to actually bring your business back that had been closed for over 370 days. What does it take and I know you can answer this because you know what it's taken. What, what is it that, that shifts the needle from good to great in, in business, in, in living? You know, what, what, how would you answer that? What, what all has it required of you? You know, I
1: wasn't ready. Like I wasn't ready to give up. I think that's where we're really like the um, where it starts from. So when the studio closed and we were first t- told it's only going to be two weeks, and then it was four weeks, and then it was eight weeks, and then it's three months, then it's six months, then it's a year. <laughs> it's like there's just there's just some kind of fire that I, I have or a fire inside of me like that. I'm not that I'm not giving up. I'm not sitting down on my community. I'm not. Um, I'm going to be a model of what it takes to stand in what it is that I want to be in the creation of. Right. Mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, right. I did have to close a studio. Um, and I even say that that one studio that had to close because of COVID was really a blessing. Um, like I'm going to look at, that's the one good thing that came out of COVID is that Mm -hmm. I trimmed something that really, um, although it seemed necessary, it wound up that it's really not necessary because Ah. people that, people that live on, on that side of Staten Mm -hmm. Island, which is the reason why it was opened can come anyway, now that we have the virtual platform. Yeah. And what good to great was what kept me going. And right, I didn't really even know so much about this book until we got together and created the Lit From Within training platform. Um, And you had introduced us to it like, oh, yeah, you know, this would be a really good book. And I bought it and I read it and followed along with the content that you created for the, the training. And I'm like, well, yeah, like what, what has us do, what has us, um, what has us have that? And I don't know if it's an internal thing, but you know, there's plenty of good three, 200 hour yoga teachers out there, but what, what I can see in what we've cultivated in the past, we're on our second 300 hour. So graduating the first one and now, in the midst of this second one, right? There's just something in the people that sign up for the program that that just it's innately known. Like I have to, I have to take another step because where I'm at right now, there's so just so much more for me to offer out into the world.
0: Mm-hmm. It is a uh, well. I'm hearing you say so many good things. I want to go back because you you said something that I feel like is worth repeating. I think a step, a step in good to great, if this is going off of not necessarily online with what Jim Collins professes about good to great, but it, it, this is in there to a degree, but you said uh, not giving up, you know, it's, it is standing. If we want to be great at anything, you know, we kind of have to look at what is there, right now at this phase of my life that I can be great at? And then the, the next question is, what are the things that I know I'm not going to be great at? You know, it's really looking at both sides of the coin. And I, I don't know. I mean, I knew you deeply. We spent a lot of time together through the, you know, through the 370 days of the studio being closed, your studio being closed, but you didn't give up. And you were a commitment for, I don't know if you would have said, like, I want to be great. And though you were committed to not giving up, it was just like, and so my point is this, what you just said at, at the kind of a second ago, there's something, there's a quality. There's a, there's a quality in a particular type of person. And I don't think that it, that it's necessarily I mean we could argue that forever like are people born with it no i think it can be developed you know you've developed some sort of quality over time you know of not giving up and in not giving up that that does give you this experience of oh that is something that it takes to move from good to great it it's um it's been it's been amazing to watch you you know and I know you would never say that about yourself, but it's like, it has shifted you, you know, into like, man, Karen is pretty great. Cause she, you know, she did not, she did not give up. She did not falter. Um, And then you also said something else that I feel like is worth repeating. You said, it's looking at what's necessary. And what's not necessary. Mm-hmm. What, what is it that you, and in what you're, referencing is you had a second, you owned a second business, you owned a second studio and, you know, having to look at what was necessary, you know, through the pandemic and what could be trimmed, you realized, you know, this has to be trimmed. What, what kind of things are you confronted with when you have to make a decision like that? Do you remember?
1: You know, like I said, it was a blessing. So it was just like, I mean, really, I I put my faith in God on that one because it was just like, huh, the government says or whatever the mayor of New York at the time said we're going to be closed for two weeks. And that was that was possible. But then when it started to get get longer time frame, I was like, there's no way that I can afford these two rents. Plus paying the teacher salaries, which I didn't step back on that either. And I know a lot of other studio owners like started to like trim teacher salaries because we went, we shifted from in studio to online. And I was just like, no, I'm going to keep paying the teachers the same thing um, and hold the expectation that online yoga is for right now is just as good as being in the studio. So the people that are coming online to take the classes are still going to get the same quality of class that they would if we were open. So not to disrupt anything. So I found that that was necessary to not tell the teachers now all of a sudden, well, no, I'm going to cut your salary in half because we're not going to the studio. And, And I, and I could have did that. Like some people did. I just chose to stay in the awareness. Like as long as I can afford to pay the teachers and pay the rent and pay the bills Right. I'm just going to keep doing things the way that they were done. But the trimming of when it got to be a little bit longer closed, it was just like, yeah, the studio is not going to work. And me paying that extra three thousand a month to keep that studio alive um, would have like had me going into savings or could have even bankrupted me. So it was just making the decision. Um, and it was an inner knowing like, mm-hmm. I almost had it like that God gave me this blessing of covid and closing the studio to really get rid of that studio mm-hmm. um to move forth to what where we are today.
0: Yeah, he he did do some really
1: in hindsight,
0: <laughs> you know, not not it, not going through it I wasn't laughing, but in hindsight it's really it's fascinating, isn't it, that there's you know, if you have faith, it is being able to look back and realize, oh, something bigger than me. It wasn't fun, but it sure was directing us, you know, um, to pull us through to, uh, some things that, that now exist, you know, that now are created out of it. Um, yeah, it's wild. Think, thinking about, so I want to kind of go back to like, just, and, and I'd love for you to share some of, you know, just kind of where you come from and that sort of thing. But, Do you think that you've always, have you always been this way? Like the way that I know you, I've known you for 20 years, 15, 18 years, something like that. I I don't know you very differently, but I do know you to be someone who doesn't give up. So it's not a shock, you know, like the, the incredible story of like, you know, moving through what you move through being at, you know, making clear choices, not breaking down. Like I was over here in breakdown and you were supporting me. You know, you, you actually, I know it was challenging for any small business owner, but you, you really took steady steps along the way. Do you feel like you've all, have you always been that way, Karen? And where does it come from?
1: You know, I don't know if it comes from firstborn. Hmm. Um, which is what I, well, I am, but yet I had a brother that passed before me. So had that brother lived, I wouldn't have been firstborn, right? So, and am I really firstborn? I don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I have it that I'm firstborn and I have I have the attributes of firstborn. Um, and I look back and I'm like, was I always this way? I'm going to say in certain things. Mm-hmm in certain things like, um, when I played basketball, I loved basketball. Like when I was a kid, I loved basketball, went to basketball camp. It was always like, um, practice, practicing, right. Practicing for what I wanted to have happen. But then was I always steadfast with, um, finances.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. right. Like it's like,
1: there's certain things (laughs) that I can say, like, you know, I have a really, um, intentional, intentional thing about. And now like, it's, it's funny that I said that that came out of my mouth because we just finished a 40 day program at the studio and we've been like manifesting some things. And I I just manifested, um, financial abundance and debt free. Yes, Right. So that's where like, now it's like, well, what is that going to look like? And it's even starting so small as to get curious, like, do I really need to go out and eat like if i have food at home mm-hmm. right cuz then that's that's spending less money mm-hmm. rather than like i don't feel like cooking
0: <laughs> right
1: right but like i that's have food true. at home so do i really need to spend money at the store do i really need to stop for coffee in the morning when i can make coffee at my house yeah right well, so it's starting to get me thinking of like huh is is this something is the is the intentionality around certain things only on certain things or is it or is it all things and i'm going to say it's the things that i'm putting my attention on in the moment
0: mm-hmm. yeah you know what you're saying too which is so good i would say 100% that intentionality getting getting focused is a move from good to great Mm-hmm. At getting and then actually and then expanding so while we can only focus on one thing at a time recognizing what i'm hearing you say that's so powerful is that recognizing those things that that you haven't been intentional about then pulling those forward to let those be a focus like you know finances that moves that moves somebody who's good in business into being great at business you know like i i I'm good at I'm great. I'm already great at these buckets. You're great at customer care. You're great at, you know, client engagement, involvement, things like that. You're great at not giving up. And then it's like, oh, and then there's this one area over here, the finance bucket that clearly you're good at it because you've been in business a long time. You've gotten really far, but to be able to pull it forward and then gain a new level of intention in that area, that's, That to me is like, um, that's what we're talking about. You know, looking at those places where you've gotten by going out, you can go out as much as you want, you know, it's fun. But then to pull forward out of the background, is that what's necessary? If I really want to step into being great in this area, could I give that a, could I kind of trim that? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You Well, we're going to, we'll go out when you come back down here. Sorry. I'll take you out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope my daughter listens to this. Cause this is like the conversation I'm going to make her And for, for listeners. This is aunt Kaka to my children. I love it so much. It means everything that you're aunt Kaka to my kids, but she is learning. Um, and I guess we do. We kind of start learning from, you know, the influences in our life and friends and hearing conversations growing up. I know my kids hear us talk, you know, when you're when you're down here visiting and things like that. We're sitting around there, they're as much a part of the conversation as we are. You know, she's starting to really recognize like, Oh yeah, money doesn't grow on trees, <laughs> you know, it all costs something. And and it, you know, COVID was uh, this time where everybody started delivering food. And so the kids would be like, Hey, can we order some food? Well, we loosen the reins a little bit. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, this is wasteful. We don't need to be ordering all this food. We got, you know, to your point, we've got all this food in the house, you know, but it's, um, those are things that there's never, there's never too early of a conversation to start, to start that, you know, like being a good steward of what you have and, and almost like, re, not rewarding yourself, but just letting your outings and your finances not not go beyond what you need to be spending. You know, you've been good at that. You're an example of that to me, actually. So, But I'm proud of you for what kind of the journey you're on in looking at those areas of becoming more intentional. Um, I want you to share a little bit about... Um, if you're willing to a little bit about, you know, what really transitioned you into your yoga journey. And, um, and it, it really, you know, it becoming such a part of your life and, and, um, and gotten you to where you are today. Will you share a little bit about that? Like how it started?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting. I spoke the other day at a local Rotary Club meeting. And I was like, well, what do you want me to talk about? And they were like, oh, just talk about you, your business. And I was just like, I went, I really went up there not knowing what I was going to talk about. And now it's like, um, what came out of the conversation is really like what's coming up here. Like what started my journey was um, my mom's murder. And Um, that was back in 1998 and I can't say that I started yoga right away, but what what I could say is, um, being 30, I was 30 when she passed away. Um, like I was like up one month before my 31st birthday and being faced with not only like my grandparents, um, pain of losing their daughter that way, but also my, like my own pain. And, um, Anger and um, yeah, pain. I'm gonna say pain and anger. Um, I didn't really know how to deal with it, and then a couple of and that was like a couple of years. A couple of years of dealing with like all this anger around Mother's Day, all this anger around like people's lives going on around me and me being um, stuck in this. My mother got killed, and not knowing what to do with it, and then. Um, About seven years after she died, I had went to a yoga class with my sister who had been practicing. Both my younger sisters have practiced many years before me. And I always thought it was like some kind of like dippy kind of thing where people rolled around on the floor and chanted. And I was like, just, that's not for me. (laughs) Right. Like I, I, I I was, I I like to go to the gym and I like to do active things and I didn't know about um, power yoga. So that's how I discovered it. And then there was something that shifted like that very first class that I took that made me see that there's something on the other side of all the stuff that I had bottled up for those seven years of, losing my mom to the point of my first yoga class. And then Mm. from that first yoga class, I started looking for this power yoga, which I didn't, it didn't really exist, but it kind of did a little bit. Um,
0: And then. So this was like, was it so 30? I mean, this was 25 years ago. Your mom passed. About, yeah. About 24 this year. 24. And then seven years. So yeah. So like it was newer mm-hmm. eight, 18 or so years ago.
1: It yeah. Was- it was my, my, first yoga class was June of 2005. So yeah, 17 years this June. Mm-hmm. So it, it was-, was newer, yeah. but it, what it got me present to, which what it got me present to, like between discovering the practice And then I did a 100-hour classical yoga training because I wanted – I just wanted more information, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn more. Um, It also got me back to church. So I think the the combination of going back to church and taking on this yoga practice got me into awareness around healing. Mm. And then I went to yoga teacher training. Then I started teaching yoga because by this time – so I went to yoga teacher training – I did 100 hour of classical in 2007. And then I did teacher training in 2009, which is I think around the time that we met mm-hmm. 2009, 2010. And um, it got me into awareness around healing. Yeah. Like I felt by this time. So now my mom would be gone like almost 10 years. I felt like I was healed and, and, what got me even more aware is that like if I could heal from such a devastating event, what is possible for me to give that to other people? So I think my background in church and my and my rec- recognizing um, in the yoga practice of forgiveness and healing and being like more of a stand for, that if I can heal from what happened, right? People can heal from things that they that happened to them, yeah. like a, a bad breakup, losing someone unexpectedly, um, things to, that happened to them, abuse, or things that people go through. That yeah, that in life as as a as a stand for that, and that's really where my platform began like to be of service more so than, um, more so than like that. It's a business, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, yoga is a business, but really what people get out of the practice is far more, far more than what, what money is made from it. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, when I shared this 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 journey the other day in the at the Rotary meeting, I was a lot of people were curious about how do you forgive, mm. right? Like how do you forgive people that that killed your mom? And I was like, right, forgiveness is forgiving, right? And I, if I if someone would have told me twenty years ago that I would be in a point where I can forgive people that did this to my mom, I would have been like, no freaking way! Like I want, I want, I want them to die. Right. 20 Mm -hmm. years ago, that's what I would have said. Um, But really, I got present to that. If I don't forgive what happened, if I don't forgive the people like I'm I'm going to be locked up. Yeah. Right. I'm going to be the one that's angry. I'm going to be the one that's in blame and shame and and complaint. But if I if I'm able to and, and it took me that long, 10 years eight to 10 years to get to a like, hey, if I just let it go and I just give, really, it's like, really, just give it up to God and -hmm. just let God deal with Mm -hmm. the people's actions and let me deal with forgiving them for making the choices that they did that night, it's going to free me. And Letting people hear that, like the people that are going to hear this podcast or people that are going to that hear it at the yoga studio, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, what if I just try it day by day? Just like give it up and let it go and let myself move from love, move from Hmm. ease, move from faith.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, you know what? That's why you're great. You, You you are such a model for, uh, and I know we're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to. We're not supposed to compare um, compare hardships. You know, but every time I hear your you share in this way, you know, it's it's. I don't go into comparison. I just I hear it from like. God, Karen has really you have forgiven and you really have in my eyes you've been through something that I can't even compare. You know, my hardships don't compare. My for, my who I who I need to forgive or who I've gone through the forgiveness process with and who I have forgiven, it doesn't even compare, you know, to what I see in your commitment to forgive and, and move on. And um, I just, I think it's, I think you're great, you know, for, for being in choice around it and being um, so committed to your faith and your healing and in, in recognizing like this is what is required. It's to forgive and move on. You know, and um, what would you say is your, your biggest, what's your biggest gain? You said ease and, you know, freedom and moving like that. But like when you think about what you gain every day, I mean, this is, you know, it's for you, but it's for people who are listening right now. You know, what what is it that you gain by actually confronting what it is that needs to be forgiven and moving on. What, what is like the ultimate, what's the ultimate gain for you? What has it been? Well, I, I mean,
1: I'm going to say it's like better relationships with people and also um, me Making the choice to forgive rather than hold on to the anger and pain also gives people, others that see that or hear that from me, the opportunity to look at it for themselves and let themselves open up to possibilities Um, because we get locked up and we get closed down and stuck Mm-hmm. Right, We're not in our greatness when we're holding a sword over someone's head, and we're not in our greatness if we're holding um, anger and judgment and complaints about other people, although it happens, right? Like we do complain and judge and, and hold swords over people mm-hmm. right all the time. And yet we like, I know I recognize like right, right now, um, like what I'm, I'm grappling with in, in my life is my dad and his forgetfulness. So it's like he's having like a touch of dementia and a touch of like the Alzheimer's. And right, like I, I see like impatience come to surface or getting like mad comes to surface. And then I just have to like take a step back and, like, and just hold the space for compassion and patience because like how hard must it be for him? Um, and in the past it would have been more, Holding the like, getting angry and and getting stuck in blame, mm-hmm. but it's like I, I guess I don't know if it comes with age or with with putting attention on or really what's more important. Because my dad's my last living parent. My, all my grandparents are gone. My mom's gone. So all I have left is my dad. And it am I going to let it be like these last years that I have with him be ones that I get upset and annoyed and bothered
0: mm-hmm. by him
1: for his forgetfulness or um, am I going to allow for patience and grace? Yeah, to be how it goes. So it's, um, I think that's the greatest gift that comes is being able to connect, connect yeah. with people on another level without stuff in the way.
0: Yeah. And forgiveness, do you feel like? I mean, gosh, forgiveness is a really good conversation, isn't it? Is it, does it happen in your experience? Did it happen over time and then all at once? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like over seven years and then all at once, you were like, oh my gosh, you know, like I, I had to go through all those seven years of whatever, emotional, spiritual, you know, all the things, anger, all the feelings, but then at once it happened? Or would you say, yeah, I'm curious. You tell me, did it happen? Did it happen at once? Did it happen over time at once? Or because what I hear you say, which I love, is it's so 100% in the past, Right. Like you forgave, and it's done. It's over. It's like not that the event didn't happen, but you're there's nothing being held on to. And I think a lot of times, you know that's the that's the worst misconception that we we can trick ourselves into believing I forgave, and there's actually something there's like some residual that we're holding on to i don't that's not your situation. You are like done with it. I'm curious like. When you hear me saying this, was it when you think back, did forgiveness happen over time? And then there was a moment when you were like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I forgive.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it was like, like, it was like peeling away layers over time. Mm -hmm. Like some, and and I'm not not even going to say it was, um, I'm not even going to say it was the one event, like, just say like my mom's event I think it was like really even forgiving myself mm. too, like peeling away layers of things that I had blame or blame against my parents for from like my younger self. Um, if I had to like put it in that awareness, like peeling away, it took peeling away layers of my self work of forgiving. Other people that didn't even know that I forgot, not it, they don't even know I forgave them, like forgiving yeah. my mom, who's like, who's gone for 24 years, forgiving her for cer- certain things that I had ho- held on to her. Same yeah. thing with my dad or same thing with these people who murdered my mom, right? Like, they don't even know I forgave them. It's not like I went to them and said, I forgive you. It's not like I went to my dad and said, I forgive you for, right, being Whoever you were, what my eyes when I was a teenager. Right. Because he doesn't know that I had anything, I I was holding anything. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, his experience of being a dad was his experience of being a dad. And it's like, that's what I think that we do. We think, like, oh, I forgive someone. Like, I have to go run and tell them I forgive them and expect some grand. (laughs) <laughs> grand, like, oh, confetti. great. You forgive? The confetti, right, confetti is off over your head when you do it. Yeah. And most of the time people will be like, what are you talking about? Like, right. I, don't, I didn't do any, like, what do you mean you forgive me? I didn't do
0: anything wrong. Yeah. Right. It's, so oh, it's, yeah, that's not the, it's actually not the right angle at all. Right. I really forgive you for being such an a-hole. <laughs> when they're like, that doesn't sound like forgiveness, actually. Yeah, no, I totally get that. It's, it's actually, isn't it, is so miraculous. That's what forgiveness is. It's pretty miraculous because it's in the space of your choice, the forgiver. Like I forgive and it's also, it can't, I think it can happen in an instant, but usually it is something that we're in choice about. Peeling layers back, like you said, you know, to be able to get to the place, you know, over time where that discovery is so right there in our face, you know, like the discovery of like, oh, this is what forgiveness feels like. This is what letting go looks like. This is now my choice to actually do this. And I don't even have to do it with any words. And, um, yeah, there's nobody better to talk about it we should do a little um you should well y- you know what you should do don't you hate when somebody tells you that you know what you should do karen
1: <laughs> write a book
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i
1: don't know really what well, you going to say
0: well you really you really have i mean i've heard you share on this so many times and i'm so glad that it's where we went today because somebody needed to hear it and um probably more than one person and you and I both needed to hear it again, too. Um, but, yeah, like this, is, it's an extraordinary part of what has made you great. It's just your, your, your lens for looking at your own heart, your lens for always looking at the way you operate your business, which totally is service driven. It's service first for people. Um, and by looking at your own heart, I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean, like you're, you, you turn the camera around to look at, you turn the lens around to look at your own heart. Like, what am I, you know, what am I grappling with? What, where am I tensing up? Where do I need to soften? Where do I need to forgive? Where do I need to let go? And then as a result of that, your service for people, it just expands bigger and bigger. And, um, yeah, you need to write this down. I'm going to hold you to it. We need to get it in like a, like a content since we're so good at writing content we need to get this written because it's a it's it's really it's powerful for people to to experience and um I love you so much I have some I kind of could talk you want to keep talking we could talk forever <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna wrap up I want to ask you some some rapid fire questions okay and the first one I told you this season the theme is creating home and I've said it in the last several episodes you know you guys most of you know each other you know you're you're like brothers and sisters in my life you know the people that are coming to be a part of this season are people that are my experience of home and you have been through the years and I'm just so grateful for you in my life um so the first question is what makes you feel? What makes you feel most at home?
1: Being with people who not only inspire me, but have it have me feel welcome, accepted and loved.
0: Mm, so good. Why is home important to you?
1: Well, you know, the old saying home is where the heart is. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, um, I look at home, like it's not only like my physical home. Like when I come back from vacation, um, like here I am in my home, but like, I, I come to see you and I feel like I'm home. Mm -hmm. Right. And I go, I spend time with friends and I feel like, like their home is my home. Um, so it's, It's really like, uh, that's why I love that expression. Home is where the heart is, is because like the connection of like a a place or a person to the heart, right? Speaks more than like, even I go to the yoga studio, it feels like home, right? Mm -hmm. So not necessarily have my bed there, but there's just a community there. That's something that just happens. So home
0: is where I am. Yeah, so good. How does your... Creative space, your home, your studio, how does it represent you? Hmm. Well,
1: I'll say my home tends to be like messy, but, (laughs) but ordered, right? Messy yet, yet there's order around it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to say some parts of the studio, like they're, they're messy and there's order around it so um it's it's working with right a little bit like not not every like perfectly imperfect i'm going to say
0: mhm well you said this earlier it's like you're so great in so many buckets you know and then it's you're you're pulling forward being more intentional with finance you know it's like the little mess is actually, there's nothing unhealthy about that, you know, having some mess and having some order. And, um, I don't know, there's something that like, even just in your sharing, it's, y- y- you are the same way, you know, in every, in just about everything that you do. And we are kind of made up that way, aren't we? To mm-hmm. be kind of the same way. Okay. Last question. What does creativity mean to you?
1: You know, I used to think, right, that it like I used to think like I'm not a creative person. Like, I don't really have like um, skills of drawing or um, like singing or dancing stuff, or that tell jokes. Like, um, I I have it now. Like that awareness around creativity is allowing for my own authenticity and my own authentic self be what I go out and share to the world. Mm. So like, like c- c- um, getting curious about like, how is a book in my future? Like then I would say like, huh, maybe there is some creativity in who I am, but not like, it's not like um, in a way that I would say like creativity, like um, creative arts, right? Like when we were kids in school, like creative arts is like one way. And I never really like fit in with that, that definition,
0: mm-hmm.
1: although right like I kind of created my life in a way that's been authentic. So yeah. that's where I would say like creativity lives in authenticity.
0: Mm. That's so good. I love you so much. You are uh how funny is it that the Southern girl met the Staten Island girl (laughs) like a, a million years ago and who would have ever thought that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of doing life without you. Thank you so much for just your deep friendship and, um, your consistency in my life and being the model of what it looks like to move from good to great. And, um, I'm just so grateful for you. Thanks for being here today.
1: Anytime. I love you too.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today on One Creative Act. I hope this conversation has you imagining what's possible to move in the direction of the creativity you have and to take action to ignite it. I hope you're inspired and recognize that you too have been born with an adventure only you can create. If you enjoyed this conversation, hit the subscribe or follow button, write a review or share it with a friend and connect with us on Instagram at one creative act. Share what you loved about this episode on your Instagram story and tag us. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I can't wait to create again together.